Awesome. Um, it looks like we're having awesome technical difficulties already here at the beginning of the show, but what else? What's new with you and me? I mean, seriously, it happens almost every episode now. I, I'm convinced it's me. I'm I'm terrible with this technology stuff. <laughs> as soon as you join the show, it's just like, man, she's on. We need to go ahead and try to get things going a little crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, blame me for it. I would. All right, so Jen, as typical, let everyone know where they can find you at, what's going on with you, what's new in your life. Sure. Um, well, not much new since last time we chatted. Still uh, dressed away like crazy on the MSL 10 board. It's actually winding down, I think, Friday's last day, so pretty upset about that. Um, <laughs> been uh, getting some preseason DFS action in, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Football Degenerate, with a J, of course. And there's links everywhere there for uh, all the places I write at. Awesome, awesome. You do stay very, very busy. So, it's, I mean, it's always exciting to watch you on Twitter just because of what you're doing, what's going on with you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. As always, you can find uh, – I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me <laughs> at the Grizzly Beard on Twitter. And I write for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Um, so, oh man, it looks like we have someone here on the line. Hold on one second, Jen. Let's see who we got. I think we might have Jillian. Hello? It's hey, loading, it's loading. Can Jillian? you hear me? Yes. Yes, we sure can. Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Rants Roundtable. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Hey, Jill. Hey, Jen. And so, already, I was expecting Matt to be here. Um, Not that he's late or anything, it's just that uh, with the technical difficulties, we've been running a little behind, but I'm going to get teamed up on now by two girls. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Yeah, definitely. All right, and so if you want, go ahead, uh, Jen, introduce our guest and a little bit about her. Sure. Um, well, Jillian, uh, we met in the good old MSL 10 uh, drafting room, I guess you could say. And, uh, Jill, you're on Twitter at Miss Fantasy Duo and still writing for Fantasy Football Couch Coach, right? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. All right, and then the other guest we have is Mr. Matt Riddle. Matt, how are we doing tonight? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, we want to thank you uh, for joining our show, and if you want, let everyone know a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm tuning in late. I, I got kicked off, and I, I called back in, so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm Matt Riddle. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFRiddle, R-I-T-T-L-E. And uh, I like long walks on the park uh, with candlelight, uh, preferably while drafting many, many MFL 10s uh, in my pocket. So uh, we'll go ahead and kick off this draft here. And, Matt, I want to ask the big question. Have you ever been on a date and been drafting in in an MFL 10? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I... I don't think I have some particularly funny story that I can sit here and tell you, but I have no doubt that that has happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Jen, has that happened with you too? Uh, I can honestly say no, it has not. <laughs> is that because you're not out on dates or the dates have been good? Well, I mean, I just, you know, I, uh, when, I'm, when I'm dealing with my uh, personal time, I try to leave the football out of it as much as I can. Oh, wow. Nice. That is a, one connection that is very hard to make for many. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, trust me, I have a hard time with it, too. <laughs> I just make my best efforts. I do recall so, Jen, a date we'll you... I went on. Uh, I, I apologize. I do, I do recall a date I went on. It would have been a couple of years ago. And I don't remember if I was in any leagues or not at the moment, but I sent one tweet that night, and the tweet just said, uh, my date is pretty and has an accent. This will be my last tweet. And and I didn't touch my phone the rest of the night. So um definitely think it's important to create some, some good space for our personal lives at times. Must have been a special lady, Matt, right? 
She, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, accents. You gotta love accents. <laughs> I hear you. All right, and so Jen, if you want, let's go ahead and kick off our first question for uh, our special guest this evening. Sure. Um, well, I do have one quick question for for both Jillian and Matt. The NFL deadline is approaching. I believe it's Friday. How many more are you trying to do? Are you done? Is this the time to cram them in? I'm still undecided at this point. I don't know if I want to do more. Like, I kind of got sucked into auctions. So I've been doing auctions for, like, the last month. But then with Friday being the last day, I feel like if I don't do at least one or two more, I'm going to regret it. So I'm sure I'll end up in at least one more before Friday. There you go. I had an interesting situation. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, or if you don't, I'll, I'll just tell you that I, my goal is to draft kind of a set number of MFL 10s, uh, and I keep track of every league that I'm in and kind of my shares as I go on. And, and my database has a couple columns. One is my current share percentage, and the next column is what the share percentage, like if I stopped drafting this player, and I hit my league goal, what would that percentage be? And it's very important to me that I diversify and I don't have too much of any player, um, but I'm creating this kind of portfolio with that end goal in mind. So I had to take a couple weeks off in early August, and I found myself in a position where I hadn't drafted as many leagues as I thought I would, and so some of my planned shaping of the players I wanted to end up with hadn't been done yet. So I, I had to basically choose, I'm either going to push through and play a lot of leagues in the last week and a half or so um, and then get the portfolio kind of that I wanted to get, or I just have to accept that it's incomplete and it's going to stand as is and I, I may not join anymore. So I did decide to push through. So my goal was always to hit 80 leagues and and I'm desperately trying to get to 80. So I am currently drafting an embarrassing amount of MFL 10s. I'm not necessarily <laughs> suggesting that, but that is what I'm doing. So, so what's the total number? Uh, my goal right for now. almost the whole off season, ha- my goal has been to end up in 80 MFL 10s, and, so, and I'm coming up on that number now. I'm currently in over 30 drafts. Oh wow. <laughs> so How do you I, I want to ask that. You played in a lot of these last year. Um, do you know what your success rate was as of last year? Yeah, the short version of the conversation is that in both year one and year two, I had roughly a 50% ROI. Oh. Wow. Sounds good to me. And so what? Did, were you able to go back and see how maybe were you more success, successful in the beginning, maybe like in the early months, or were you more successful as the closer to the season you got? Or did you go in, in depth to look at those type of statistics, or were you just you were done with the season and it, it was what it was? Uh, I looked a little bit at that. The problem is it ends up being an anecdotal analysis a little bit. I mean, even if I came up with graphs, it's not necessarily predictive to say, oh, well, you do better in June I think a more accurate statement might be to say that your player valuations in June were exactly what they needed to be to win leagues. So I have found over the last couple of years that my wins do tend to concentrate in some set of leagues. Like I'm drafting 80 leagues this season. And so, you know, my, my hope out of those eight is to win 12 plus or minus, hopefully plus. So let's say I win 12 leagues out of, out of these 80 which, you know, that's your 50% ROI. That's a pretty good win rate. Um, it's possible that, say, I'm making all this stuff, but my goal is to win 12 leagues out of 80. Maybe 15 of those – oh, 15 of those, I'm sorry. Maybe eight of those will come within a span of 20 or 25 leagues. Like, they'll really kind of concentrate like that. And and that's just kind of where you had the right valuation of players. It's the funny thing about drafting 80 leagues. I've been drafting since February – you know, for your home league, you kind of do a lot of research. Like for my old home league, I used to do 100 hours of research, and I went into this one draft with a very specific mindset about players. But when you're drafting over the span of four, five, six months, it's constantly shifting. And uh, so 
so I do find it kind of concentrates, but I don't think it's related to time of year as much as it's related to just when I had the right valuation of players. I have done better kind of in mid to late summer than, you know, I think I did 20 drafts before the NFL draft last year, and I didn't win any. Um, so, but I don't know if that's necessarily predictive. I did more drafts before the NFL draft again this year. That's pretty awesome stuff. So I'll go ahead with another question here. And uh, Miss uh, Jillian, Miss Fantasy Duo, if you want to go ahead and answer this one first, um, when you draft in uh, NFL 10s, do you have the same strategy as you do for a home league or different leagues like that? Are you still going after the same players, or is it a totally different type of um, mindset for you? No, I kind of take on a different mindset when I'm drafting ML pens or NFL pens. I feel like uh, it's easier to take more risk on wide receivers. So I would like equate an MFL 10 kind of to like a year long GPP entry. So I want to like, I want the better running backs and then I'm more willing to take risk on wide receivers. Cause I feel like you can get a couple good weeks of production from like wide receivers round 10 through 20, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I hear. I, I feel, um, oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, well, like whereas in redraft, like you want your starters, like you want those, like that core group of starters that you can rely on, so you have less decisions to make week to week of who you're going to roster. But when you don't have to make that decision, I feel like it's easier to take the risk in taking on certain players that you know can have good, like <clears throat> good productive weeks it's just that you have no idea when they're going to have them yeah i feel like and so um, jen if you want to go ahead and follow up on that yeah i was just going to say i feel like we almost me and jill we almost have sort of like the the opposite of that like where as you go you tend to go heavy on the running back i kind of go after the receivers early and I don't know if that's going to work. I guess I'll find out in December, but, you know, I hope it works for my benefit. And, Matt, what is kind of your response on that? When you play in your home leagues, are you using the same strategy uh, or maybe going for the same percentage of players uh, that you're aiming for in MFL 10s? I think – in general, my, my general draft approach is always to be flexible and let the draft come to me. I'm not always a big fan of targeting specific players. I mean, there are some that you might like or know they're a good value at their ADP, but I never really want to be reaching for guys. And so that's my general draft approach. In MFL 10s, the two most important things to remember when it comes to this conversation is that you always get your perfect lineup in MFL 10s. You don't have to sit there and try to predict every good game. The other thing is that there's no waiver wire. And those are two simple facts, but I think they have very big ramifications. So in a, in a seasonal league, I might want to, I'd probably hit up receivers earlier um, than I might in MFL 10. In MFL 10, I'm very comfortable with my wide receiver one being Deshaun Jackson or sometimes even Jeremy Macklin as a wide receiver one. And then Maybe a lot of my wide receivers, you know, if you have Terrence Williams and Pierre Garçon, and I'm kind of making these names up, and they're not really germane to the conversation, except to say, like, Terrence Williams might be a, a perfect guy that I would not necessarily want in a seasonal league, but I'm perfectly happy having him in the best ball league because I'm going to get his good weeks. He's not going to be on my bench those weeks. He's going to be in my lineup those weeks, but I don't have to sit there and wonder each week, is this the week I start him? Uh, so it's kind of easier to hatch it together wide receivers. You don't have to worry as much about who you start. Uh, also, with running backs, part of the seasonal enjoyment is working the waiver wire for running backs. Running backs are always getting injured. There's always surprises, and you can't go and pick them up in uh, the best ball league. So, so I think that's it for me. I focus on running backs early a little more 
I mean, not necessarily a lot more, but just a little more than I might in a seasonal league. And Jen, you're probably gonna you're gonna kill me here because I keep asking questions here, and so I have I just want to ask one more because we're I feel like we're on topic and it's just rolling. Go for it. So, so when you guys draft, especially uh, Matt, like you said, you're in you know 30 leagues currently. (laughs) It's gonna be impossible to keep track of of what's on your team on this in this one. What's on your team here? Have you ever been into a situation where maybe you have gone running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to start diversifying my picks. Does that happen? And what kind of what what's your strategy then? Some of the we talk about diversification, and sometimes I think people have taken it too far to say that I should take player B over player A for no other reason than that I just drafted player A, and that's really not the case at all. Diversification is largely organic; it's a natural process to. There is some shaping to it, but to a very large extent, it's organic. I cannot take the same players at when I start in the 10 slot as I can when I start in the 3 slot. And some of those player differences have ramifications. You know, in the 10 slot, I might take two running backs to start. I might not do that in the 3 slot. And I'm not necessarily trying to be specific, but I'm just saying then in the later rounds, who you had are really kind of affected. And so um, some of the diversification is, is natural. Um, you kind of made a joke about have you ever been in a situation where you drafted five straight running backs and then you thought, oh, crap, I have no problem drafting five straight running backs. I, I probably have three or four leagues at least going right now where I did that. Uh, I know successful MFL 10 players whose goal in 90% of their leagues is to end six rounds with five running backs 90% of the time. So um, I think that's fine. Uh, you don't necessarily – I can't tell you when you draft like a lot of leagues and, and in this it's it's unique because my goal is to win 12 out of 80 leagues. Like I'm not trying to do well in 80 leagues, if that makes sense. So I never want to have more than 30% of a player. So if there's a guy like Lamar Miller was a guy that I, I had like 40, 45% of for a while. And, and when I'm doing that, it's because you're targeting him so heavily so it's not so much avoiding Lamar Miller. I had to look at rankings and pull up draft sheets and look down at it and say, who am I ignoring? When I'm drafting him, who am I ignoring? And I looked at it and I said, you know, I'm ignoring Frank Gore and, and Mark Ingram. So, so these are kind of my pivot plays to borrow a DFS term that, um, you know, I just kind of try to pay more attention to other people when a percentage gets too high. So, um, no, I, I'm really not conscious of, who I have in every league as I draft them, um, except that I have a name or two in my head to just kind of don't just draft them if you see them, kind of look around a little bit more. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Awesome, awesome. And Jen, do you I have anything to put 30. in on that? Oh, I was uh, going to say I don't draft 30 leagues at one time. So <laughs> it's crazy. I, I don't suggest it. <laughs> Have that problem? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like I almost have like the opposite approach. Whereas there's been times I found myself at five wide receivers before I've taken a running back, and you know, you kick it off with like an Andre Ellington or Chris Ivory. And I guess my goal, for the most part, I'm just more comfortable flexing the receiver than I am a running back, and I. I think that might have something to do with my uh, receiver-heavy approach. But then I hear Matt throw out these statistics, about 90% of these, you know, big-time people <laughs> calling running back. Well, no, I said one guy 90% of the time. I, I will uh, say in the MFL 10s, my personal experience, uh, and I will tell you that most of my league's winners last year, this is just anecdotal, but it just comforts you at all, personally – most of my league winners last year were what I call wide receiver heavy early. And I'm not, and most of those I do want to add were not necessarily five straight wide receivers. It seemed to be helpful when I had maybe one running back early that maybe I had, maybe I left four rounds with three receivers, but I did have that stud from round one or round two. And so that's kind of my, my takeaway. I have no problem with occasionally going wide receiver heavy but I do kind of always want to get at least one foundation running back in these leagues. That's just my thought. Oh, sure. I mean, I I guess, as you were saying before, with sort of diversifying, I found myself most recently with a ton of Latavius Murray. 
he's kind of like that, like, first running back that's available when I start looking at them, and I kind of had to back off of him because I, I believe, according to my spreadsheet that I got from Mike Margosian, I had, like, 39% or whatever it was, and I know you want to try to keep it to about 25%, so he's a player I sort of had to back off of. Yeah, and again, I don't think it's about saying Latavius Murray sucks or never draft Latavius Murray. To me, that is – he's a great example because usually when you're drafting Latavius Murray, there's also three or four running backs that are usually there. So it's it's less about fading Murray and more about going, who am I ignoring to me? That's that's more of the question. Like, who am I ignoring at his ADP? I, I find myself lately getting Alfred Morris right around there. Which I love. I love that. Yeah. And so, Jen, you can go ahead with any awesome questions that you have prepared. Well, I did want to ask you guys one question because this was actually asked to me on Saturday, and I kind of didn't know how to answer it, and I kind of just, like, went with my gut. But I'm curious your guys' thoughts for this upcoming season on Jimmy Graham. Compared to his stat line from last season, 10 touchdowns, you think his numbers go up? You think they go down? I think sure. his touchdowns. Oh, I think his touchdowns have a chance to maybe get up to twelve. Um, last year total, um, Seattle targeted their tight ends eighty-four times, and Jimmy Graham had eighty-five receptions. Oh, wow. So unless they switch more to a pass first offense or pass more often offense, um, I see his receptions and his yards going down. But I see potential for them to use him in the red zone a little bit more, so maybe he goes up to maybe 12 touchdowns. I just don't think that it would be – I just don't see Seattle moving that far – into the the past, like in the passing game, to for him to have eighty five receptions himself. How about you, Matt? One thing I've been fascinated by the the last month or so, just in my own philosophical head, is that for me, like every conversation about player when we're talking about drafting, is price related. I mean, we right. can you could you kind of asked me about outright. What do you think of them outright or independent of anything? But for me, like it always goes back to drafting and his price right now. And I know sometimes there's a difference between MFL tens and regular drafts. And I'll be honest, I'm not always aware of what those differences are. Uh, in MFL tens, he, he, with exception, but usually he goes in the mid to late third. I have a draft right now where I got him in the mid fourth. And I know that's rare, but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like his downside has been more than factored in. So he's kind of a player, not that I'm targeting, but that I really like at their price. I still want to take Mark Ingram and Frank Gore and maybe a T.Y. Hilton or DeAndre Hopkins, but much after those kind of guys are gone in the third, I love Jimmy Graham. He may take a step back. Uh, he may take two steps back from his numbers, but I don't think he's going to take 10 steps back. So, you know, if he gets maybe 10 or 20% less stats in a different offense, that's factored into his price right now. Um, well, I hope you right. also have I to remember to... what if a player like that, if they even if they're taking two steps back, still a top three, maybe even or you know a top five, maybe even a top three tight end. So that's one of the things. Yeah, that's what, to that's one of my Jimmy Grand points is when you look at all these tight ends. I mean, people are casting their lots on you know Dwayne Allen and and ASJ and Josh Hill and. And and I know sometimes there are better tight ends, but, like, the tight end position has a notoriously low floor. Every year there are so many busts that people don't want to mention the next year, but it happened. It happens all the time. And, like, what's Jimmy Graham's floor? Like, what the assuming he's healthy, right, what's the worst he does this season? He turns in as, like, what, tight end seven, and we're all appalled? Like, isn't that a bad season for him? Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's actually absolutely. If that's if that's his floor, I'm okay with that. And then you know his ceiling; it won't be as high as Bronx, but 
but you figure in who will be right around the Greg Olson area, right around the tight end three, tight end two, maybe as low as tight end five. I think he will. I think Greg Olson will be able to produce just as much with Kelvin Benjamin being out. Oh, he might. I'm just saying that's not who he's traditionally been. Um, but no, he was no, that guy no, last no, year, and he might do it again this year. Yeah. I didn't mean to miss there. We're agreeing. No, no, no. It's fine. I was just, you know, you have to kind of figure in where he's at because Greg Olson's typically going around the tight end three, four-ish area. I'll say, too, All right, so, um, I'm typically a Gronk or weight type of guy, and I don't mind the middle-round tight end this year. I don't want to completely derail us, but I just want to mention that. Like, I don't mind Travis Kelsey or Greg Olson or even Martellus Bennett at the right price. Uh, I have a fair amount of all of those guys. I, uh, and so, uh, Jillian, oh, I was going to ask you, what, what's one tight end you're maybe aiming for after Gronk? Is there a guy you're going after? Um, I've been sticking to Greg Olson. He's my number one target after Gronk. Um, I have a couple Jimmy Grams, but he was like he's was going like in the early third, and I always seem to be picking from like the beginning of NFL pens or the end, right? Yeah, the end pick. So my third round pick, like he'd always be gone by the end of the third round. So I don't have too many shares of him, but um, I have Greg Olson everywhere that I don't have Gronk. My, it's worth mentioning my favorite, like you know, I, I've talked about how I don't reach for players, but like the player I get most excited when they fall right is easily Travis Kelsey. I mean, not to not to throw out the chalk there, but. Um, that's the guy I get most excited about when they fall right. See, I'm not super excited about him this year. Like, I'm not saying he's not Ugh. a great player. <laughs> I just don't see Andy Reid changing the game so much to where all of a sudden Kelsey does way better than he did last year. Oh, man. I- I'll give I'll give our <laughs> gracious host the chance of moving on or letting me respond to that. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what? I actually t- I tend to agree with her where they're bringing in Jeremy Macklin. He's actually going to take reception somewhat away from Kelsey. They're going to stick to their running game. I'm not a huge fan of Kelsey. I think the hype train's gotten a little out of control. Not that he's not good. I will not say that. His, he's talented, He's, but I don't like – I think he's being drafted higher than where I want him. Yeah, I just feel like people – are so excited for him this year, like something changed. Like they like Fasano played more than him last year because they liked Fasano blocking. So now that they don't have him, like he might play a little bit more, but like Andy Reid, well, Rod, more and Jeremy Macklin, I think, I think that's the argument is that he played more last season, right? Through 10 weeks. It's so weird. I have this memorized, but through 10 weeks, he played 56% of snaps. Um, I just, I don't have this memorized for every single player. I just happen to know this about Kelsey for something else I just wrote. So through 10 weeks, he played 56% of snaps. And, and thank you for clarifying because most people talk about snap percentage, which can be misleading because he was in on a pretty fair share of passing plays at that point, but it was, it was the blocking which held the snap percentage down. But then I think it's the last seven weeks of the season, um, and I think, you, by the way, playing 56% of the snaps, he was tight end seven, uh, I, if I recall correctly, or tight end seven on the season. And in the last seven weeks, I want to say he was tight end three or four when he played closer to 80 or 90% of the snaps. So um, <laughs> I don't need him to get more than all of last year. I just need him to repeat the last third of last year. I'm with, uh, I'm with you on Kelsey, Matt. I can't get enough of him. I, I own a bunch of them. High five. <laughs> there, there's just some other guys that I think you can get later on in the draft that have the same amount as ceiling as him. Like Austin Safari no. Jenkins is one of those guys that no I have one. been like. No. I, I've been going <laughs> all over. He's one guy that I continuously keep, no. keep drafting. That's I love horrible. Him. 
I can't, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't sit here and let people listening to this hear that and me not disagree. Like, first of all, what has ASJ done in his career? That's my first question. Now, I know he was a rookie last year, and what do we expect from rookie tight ends, and I get it. But, like, Kelsey did – he underperformed last year. He was underutilized last year, and he was a tight end one. So and, – and, and also, if you look at his talent, his physical profile, his, you know, whatever you – film study, his metrics, any metri- anything you can pull up for Kelsey – his upside, and I'm not saying he's going to hit it, but his theoretical upside is to be mentioned in the same breath as Gronk. And I'm not saying he's going to hit that, but that's his theoretical upside. And I I mean, you can't say that ASJ's upside is the same, is all. I mean, it might be good. He might be a tight end one this year, but I don't think he's going to be tight end two next year. And there is an outside chance that Kelsey is the tight end two next year in redraft. Well, Matt, I've been waiting all night for you to disagree with me on something. Ah. And so this is what I'm going to propose. I, 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 I'm I thought oh, no. long oh, no. hard about this. I thought did, long you, hard. did you say that just so I would disagree? No, no, not at all. You're taking Kelsey. <laughs> I'm taking right. ASJ. And we're going to bet okay. a tie on it. Wait, outright? You're going to give me You're going to give me Kelsey with no odds? PPR is what I want. I want PPR. Format done, done, done. There it is. And I'll tell you what: if, if I send you a tie, if I send you a tie, because I feel like I need odds on this to be fair to you, or you should have odds to be fair to you. So here's what it is: uh, if I lose, I will send you a tie, and I will include a 15 minute Skype session to teach you how to tie it right. <laughs> is it is it bad if I actually want a bolo tie? Yes. That's pretty bad. Darn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll defer to the ladies on that one. Maybe I shouldn't answer. <laughs> no, not, not even creepy Philip Rivers can pull that off. Just creepy. <laughs> totally creepy. Oh, I'm not buying a bolo right. tie. I mean, I'll pay probably the money if you want to buy a, a bolo tie. I really Let's want just a bolo take tie. bolo tie out of the equation. <laughs> That's no more bolo. <laughs> Just for the record, this, the, the, the bolo tie thought is less crazy than this bet to me. I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna go walk to the bank after this. <laughs> well, Jen, we won't let any of our listeners because I know I'm gonna get tweeted at, beaten down. Everyone's like, "You're stupid. Why did you take that bet? The odds are against you." And I like that. I like rooting for the underdog. So every every week, I'm gonna be rooting for this guy. And I can't wait for. Uh, for Kelsey just to underperform or stay right where he did last year, and ASJ to become the victor- victorious for me. Jen, uh, before we even talk anymore be about attention. this, let's go on to your next question. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, naturally, I have a question about my man, Des Bryant, but the reason I have a question is because I feel like recently there's been a lot of accusations thrown at me that I'm just a Homer fan draft <laughs> Des Bryant whenever, and I think I have good reasoning. I mean, the guy led the league in touchdowns. His running back is gone. And I just see the targets going up. So my question, for a guy who was ranked 12th in targets last year, but still led the league in touchdowns, what do you guys think? I think the targets and the touchdowns go up. I'm kind of curious where you guys think he uh, pretty much where he is. I'll confirm everyone's acquisitions. You are Homer. Hey, listen, who wouldn't want him on their fantasy team, you know? It's, it's him and Julio for me, and Antonio Brown in that spot. I just kind of rotate it for the most part. But I just Jillian, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. That's okay, fine. I'll start. <laughs> I can see his targets going up. Possibly. No, we'll say his targets and his receptions go up, but I think his touchdowns are going to go down. Oh. And I think he's going to have a year closer to 2013 than he did to 2014. And the reason why I think that is because they don't have someone to move them down the field or to draw, like they were trying to stop the run. So if they don't have that running threat, Romo can't throw the deep passes to Des down the field. So I think he's going to have closer numbers to 2013, which is still 13 touchdowns, 
He had 160 targets, 93 receptions. His yards were less in 2013, um, even though he had more targets and receptions. Um, but when Romo start, has to throw more, he's less accurate. Like last year he was, what, 69% completion rating, but he had 500 and whatever pass attempts. And 2013, his accuracy was 63%, but he had 100 more attempts. Right. So I think we see the 2013 Cowboys this year. How about you, Matt? Yeah, that's the interesting part. It's the interesting part of our sometimes narrative-based guesswork. And I, I could have used a better word than guesswork. I apologize. But, you know, on one hand, we could say Murray is gone and, and whatever running back or past work of running backs won't be as good. And so that's more opportunity for Dez. He'll do better. Uh, and there may be some sensibility in that, but who's to say that, you know, that they that they don't get maybe they don't get as many first downs. Maybe they don't get to the goal line as much. Maybe the play action isn't as effective. And so it's really tough to say, um, kind of in these narratives sometimes exactly how it's going to play out during the season unless it's just like a super compelling thing. Yeah, I like this. Uh I'll speak more to your homerism statement. Homerism is interesting because two things can happen. I guess three technically, but one, our homerism can incite our emotions and our affections in a good way or a bad way. And so maybe we like a player more than we should, or maybe we dislike a player more than we should because we're tired of seeing, you know, what happens on the field. The other interesting thing I've seen happen sometimes with homerism is that we're just more aware of reality. So like there are some people that I'll talk to about their team and that's what I try to filter out. Like, okay, do they have a mad crush on this guy? Or do they just know stuff that I don't know because they live there? And so th- there are some times, um, I remember Ty Miller, if you follow him on Twitter, he sold me on Kendall Wright. And not because he had some kind of mad homerism crush on a guy on his own team. He just knew statistics and things that I was not aware of. And so um, it's kind of, you're kind of an easy target with your dead love to call you a homer, and I'll probably keep doing it just because it, it does kind of bug you a little bit, and you're fun to tease. And so uh, it's kind I'll, of an easy I'll target. But I'll Oh, yeah, it. but I'm, I'm you're also there. just aware. You're also just a little bit more aware than some people that does is a stud. And so that's not necessarily bad. Totally. I mean, I guess it's worth noting in terms of anti-homerism, you know, in real life I clearly can't stand Eli Manning, but he's my most owned NFL quarterback. Well, I'll chime in on Des real quick. I, I agree with everything Jillian was saying for the most part. I like that she says his targets are going to go up, his touchdowns are going to go down. I agree with that 100%. What I, don't, what I don't really necessarily agree with is that the running game is going to be almost exist, non-existent. They're going to, he's going not to, they're not going to be able to do the deep passes to him because I think they're still going to do the exact same offense they were going to do last year. I think that they're going to try to plug whoever in and just try to maintain doing the exact same thing, whether it's running back A, B, or C. They're going to try to keep doing the same thing. Maybe not run it as frequently, but they're still going to hit Dez underneath, and they're going to get other guys like Terrence Williams, who we talked about, more targets also. I think that he's not going to be able to target Dez as, uh, as much. I just, like I don't I go away from the run game completely and I don't say like I'm not even saying that they even change their offensive style at all like that they just try to plug in whatever running back to to keep whatever going that they were had going last year it's just that I feel like defenses aren't going to be afraid of the running backs that they have currently in their backfield so they're going to plan more for the Des Bryants and the Terrence Williams and the Jason Witten because they're not afraid of DeMarco Murray in the backfield. Like they're not afraid of Lance Dunbar. They're not afraid of Joseph Randall and Derek McFadden. 
So I just oh, feel like the defenses are going to change that a little bit. Be interesting to and see so, for sure. Absolutely. So Jillian, we're going to swip or uh, excuse me there. We're going to switch gears here. Are you in the Scott Fishbowl at all? I am. Okay. Me, Jen, and Matt are all in the in the same division. Who's in your division? And kind of tell us a little bit about who you're matched up against, who you're maybe nervous about in your area. Let me find my team. I'm in the SNO Pharrell division. Or, yeah. Where is my team? So, in so my while you're league. Looking, go ahead. Okay. In my particular league, I know um, one of the football guys is in my conference. Um, Lisa Lidaglow is in my conference. Um, those are the two the two names <laughs> off the top of my head that I know um, are in my conference. Um, in my exact league is let me pull it up real fast because I know oh, I don't remember anyone. You're fine. While you're pulling it up, I want to make a little statement because Scott Fish that tends to listen to my podcast from time to time. I don't know why, but he always tends to listen in. I want to say the one with me, Jen, Matt Riddle. I know we have uh, T on on Twitter, known as Day. We have several other. We have Chad Scott, I believe. We have it's a, it's fun, that it's I, a fun division. What's that? It is. It's going to be very fun. It's going to be very competitive. We have one of the Ricks from uh, the Asylum Fantasy Network. We have ev- we have tons of different people in that, especially I talk to regularly on Twitter. So that's what makes like I am so excited for this year because it's going to be extremely competitive. And uh, in our division, uh, week one is going to be a showdown of the ladies for the division. I'm up against uh, our good friend Sharona. That is right. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm actually excited so, to see that. And I go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the only person that I'm friends with on Twitter in my league is Jules Dynasty. Other than that, it's like there's a four for four guy, Bleacher Report, um, couple. We have some four for four. CFW guys, um, Louis Escalante. Lewis, yeah, he's not that active on Twitter. Um, Lewis is a a fun guy. I like to give him a hard time and say if you if your tweet is running short, he's the guy you tweet at because his handle is just lf um, at lf. Yeah. He runs the social media for four for four. I don't mean the social media; I mean all the social aspects of four for four. So, um, yeah, he's he's kind of a fun a fun guy. Then, is there anyone you don't yeah, know, Matt, on on Twitter? I mean, you're one <laughs> well, of the most I, I work for four for four. I work for four for four, so of course I'm going to know the four for four guys. Um, right. But I, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, it's funny because sometimes it feels like, oh, of course they're a friend of yours, Matt. But then other times people will mention like names that everyone and their mother knows, and I'm just like, who? Like, I've never heard of that person in my life. So. Uh, yeah, it kind of goes both ways. I, I will say I'm a social guy. I'm an extrovert. So um, the networking side of this community is is fun for me. Okay, so the rest it's, of the people in my conference is uh, Mike Mars actually in my conference, Lisa Loza. Um, who else did I just see? Clearly, I haven't spent much time looking on here. <laughs> All you need to so do is make sure you check that roster. You have Lisa, I can never remember her last name exactly right, League of Hour or whatever, and then you have Liz yeah, Loza, too. Kind of two right, similar names. Yeah. yeah. And then the, um, one of the football guys, J.J. Zachariah. Oh, see, you got an awesome division. Don't talk down about yeah. your division. I've got some good names. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I know I'm saying, I didn't everyone talk, you like, mentioned. 
Yeah, I, I didn't say I wasn't trying to talk down about it. I was just saying that I truly <laughs> haven't spent much time looking at who I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> I was mostly worried about um, the way my draft finished because I initially intended to go a completely different direction and then ended up like almost punting my wide receiver. So when I had to submit my lineup for week one, like I almost wanted to cry. <laughs> this is a league. I don't know if any of you played this last. Did any of you play this last year? Before I go on this random tangent. No, my wife. No, yes. All right. So, so. All right. Anyways, few ladies. Um, this is a league that you will you'll cry or laugh at several times. I I laugh at it. I love deep league. There, you know. I, there, I remember one time last year. I literally had to tweet out like a screenshot of people on the waiver wire and be like. I don't know a single one of these names. Someone help me. <laughs> <laughs> like pulling straws. Yeah. No, it wasn't even like, which one of these crappy guys do I draft? It was really like, <laughs> I don't even know who they are, you know? <laughs> and like, I feel like, you know, we can all relate to this. Like you try so hard to learn everyone. And then like you come across that name that you don't know. And you're just like, they have to be buried. If I, you know what I'm saying? Like I should know them and I don't. So, um, it's fun. I That's like hilarious. deep leagues, but it's uh, yeah. At some point this season, we're all going to have to face that. Okay, this fourth string wide receiver on the Browns. Let's do it. Yeah, I can I can name that for you actually. <laughs> but I'm the Browns fan, so that's the only reason why. <laughs> oh, I actually think in our league, I want I don't know off the top of my head. But I think I drafted three Browns consecutively at the end of the draft. I think that was the draft I, oh, that I remember. It was, just, it was constant. It was like I got Robert Hausler, I got Travis Benjamin, and I want to say Andrew Hawkins, like back to back to back. And I was just like, whatever. I was like, it's a little homer pick, but I was like, as long as I'm happy and I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, I'm happy. But it was definitely one of those things where I was like, man, I really need to try to stay away from that. Did you at least have Taylor Gabriel? Did I just uh, hear you? Did I just hear you admit to homerism? Is that? Did I? Did I hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jen, Des Bryant is a top five wide receiver. You know, no one yeah. can argue that he's not. Yeah, the yeah. guys he's taking, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you're talking about uh, taking these guys in like the 15th, 16th round, and you're taking them back to back to back. I will take that. You know, I will take my little homerisms. Then I'm not drafting a Brown anywhere in the like, uh, I don't know, top eight. I'm not, I'm not so sure you should, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to cover my tracks now, aren't I? <laughs> just, just for the record, just, just to have some fun with this here, uh, wide receiver 74 was Andrew Hawkins. Look at that. Okay. Uh, any guesses on wide receiver 73? I'll give you a hint. It's a Jen favorite. I don't know. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, wide receiver 73. <laughs> there you go. I would I would have still taken Andrew Hawkins if it, if Cole Beasley was available just to let you guys know that. Well, Hawkins. I'm gonna call homerism. He's Hawkins is no, much. that's not. There's no homerism on that. No, he's Even the number one was, receiver out there. Hawkins, number one. I'm just stirring the pot. <laughs> You're doing a good <laughs> job of it. <laughs> well, we got we're gonna start wrapping up the pod uh, the podcast here. Jen, do you have any? Last questions that you want to get out there uh, before we go ahead and wrap this up? Um, I mean, nothing that I can think of. Only, uh, you know, I hope to see both of you guys in the uh, in the draft room. Matt, I, I have, I think we're in like two or three drafts together right now. So, you know, Jillian, get in there, make a deposit, let's have some fun. Yeah, I'll get in there. Hopefully, yeah, watch me do it tonight. Nice. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Sports Rants uh, Roundtable. Um, Jillian, if you'd like, ladies first, go ahead and let everyone know again where they can find you, uh, what you're doing uh, in the fantasy world. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Fantasy Duo. Um, and I have a few pieces up on ffcouchcoach.com. Um, right now I'm just wrapping up all my drafts, but I'm always open for questions. 
Mm, and Matthew, your turn. At S-S-R-I-T-T-L-E. And, uh, yeah, love the Twitter banner. So everyone's welcome. Are you still with 4 for 4 or no? Yeah. Yeah, I do um, oh. help them with their customer service, and I, I am also a scout for them. Fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't mention it earlier, and I wanted to ask this because I was like, I didn't know if you were, if, if you were doing anything for anyone. Do you, you do MFL and uh, I want to say you do, so, yeah. or you do also write for, yeah. and you do something for, for fake picks too. You do their kicker and the draft guide, right? <laughs> I, I'm supposed to do a little bit of everything. Um, I have this really weird fantasy football writer's block. Like I've written other things, but I have not written a fantasy football article since the Super Bowl. So um, there were, and I don't want to name names because I didn't, but there were like three or four sites I was supposed to get stuff into, and it, it just it didn't work out for life reasons, for random reasons, et cetera, and I don't want to bore everyone. But um, I'm still making plans for this year, but hopefully I'll have some DFS stuff up on a couple sites or one site I'll focus on. But um, at this point, the only thing I can officially proclaim is, is four for four, I think. <laughs> Awesome stuff. Well, I can speak on Jen's behalf here. We are both excited to have both of you on. You both always will have an open invitation onto the show anytime. Jen, did I nail it? Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you Thank for you. having me. Yeah, it was yep, nice it's our to pleasure. And, and of course, you can find Jen on Twitter at FFDegenerate. Uh, that's with a J. And. Jen, go ahead and spill off all the places you're writing because you're everywhere. Right, I'm trying trying to be. Um, just actually had a uh, article go up on DraftKings Playbook today on Chamberlain. Check that out. I love, 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 love him this year. Um, also, can find me on Fantasy Pros over at Great Iron Experts, Blindside Football. Uh, really, anywhere, anywhere they'll have me. <laughs> As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at the Grizzly Beard. I uh, write exclusively, I, I could say, for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I will be doing their uh, I'm their college DFS writer, so I will be diving heavy into that this year. So if you're interested in getting into that, I can help anyone out. Um, as for, I will be doing a little NFL DFS for them also. That's primarily what I'm doing, a little scouting here and there. I'm just doing trying new things this year, trying to stay active in new areas. So it's exciting for me. And so I want to thank everyone for tuning in and have a great night. All right. Thanks. You too, guys. Night.